Support comes from Troy University's Trojan Cafe, offering a variety of Starbucks beverages and an assortment of sandwiches, soups, and pastries, located on Troy University's Montgomery campus, across from the Rosa Parks Library and Museum. Public Radio, this is the Storyline Book Series from In Focus, and I'm Carolyn Hutchison. Today, Neil Wooten joins us by Skype to share an unusual family story with a twist at the end. His book is With the Devil's Help, a true story of poverty, mental illness, and murder. Neil's family story takes place on Sand Mountain in Northeast Alabama. Neil Wooten, thank you so much for joining us from Fort Payne, Alabama by Skype. Thank you for having me. Neil, about a year ago, you were interviewed by NPR about your hardcover copy of the book With the Devil's Help, A True Story of Poverty, Mental Illness, and Murder. Today we're celebrating the publication of your paperback edition. You're an Auburn graduate. Auburn is in our coverage area, but you were the first member of your family to even graduate from high school, much less go to college. Tell me about that. I wound up having this math teacher in high school, Tony Niblett, and she recognized this rare thing in me, and she kind of took me under her wing, so to speak, and I'd never had a teacher do that. And I wound up on the math team, and I won several first-place math trophies. And and apparently when you're a math prodigy, they kind of expect you to go on to college, something I didn't know. And that's the only reason that I did go on to college is because, uh, uh, you know, the teachers just kind of expected it of me then. And I didn't even know I was allowed to. I was so naive right off the farm on Sand Mountain that I, I just thought it was for wealthy people only. So, yeah, so that's not something that my family ever put a lot of stock in. Now, everybody since me has graduated college. So before me, it was just not part of our mindset growing up poor on the mountain. You know, Neil, it's amazing that we're talking about Sand Mountain in northeast Alabama, and you talk sort of about mountain culture. You mentioned the Indian heritage that ran in your family. But yours is also a story of domestic violence and domestic violence survivors. How did you survive and who were the abusers? Well, my dad was the only abuser in our family, but I didn't know that was abnormal. When you're a kid and you grow up, you just think things are normal. Just like when we were followed by a black car with men in black suits all the time. I thought every family must be. But no, my dad, and he never drank a drop. He was a teetotaler, but he was just a mean, violent man. And uh, I really downplayed that as much as possible for the book, because if I really focused on how often these 
flares of temper and these beatings took place, there would be no room for any story. But no, I just thought it was normal. You know, you just, you accept the reality of your life. Your grandfather, Pete, your dad, Travis's father, really exhibited a lot of this personality. And toward the end of the book, you talk about really it could be mental illness. But, Neil, your grandfather, Pete, ended up in Kilby Prison. And one of the most dramatic moments in the book was how that happened. Can you share that part of the story? But, yeah, my grandfather... In 1963, he made a deal with his son-in-law about potatoes. Whatever happened, my grandfather wasn't happy with it, so he took a shotgun and he shot his son-in-law in the chest and killed him. And then he panicked. You know, his temper had allowed him. You know, he had a very severe temper, too. He realized it had taken him too far, and he turned the other barrel on himself, and he shot himself in the chest at pretty much point-blank range. Uh, and lived. The son-in-law died, and once he got out of the hospital at Erlanger in Chattanooga, he was uh, arrested for murder, and he was convicted of murder in uh, Fort Payne at the courthouse here, and he was sentenced to Kilby Prison. 1962, I think, is when the murder happened. 1963 was when he was sentenced, and in 1965, when my mother was pregnant with me, my grandfather escaped from prison. It was interesting how you pointed out that your grandfather Pete lived off the land after that. And as you pointed out, there were so many questions. Why were men following the family members in these black vehicles and they would come to the door in these black suits and black ties? And and this was always a question. But prison's effect on your grandfather, you say in the book that the dull existence in Kilby Prison was your grandfather's real penance. Yeah, I guess. I mean, he really, growing up, we didn't know he existed because we heard stories about him in past tense because we were very little and mom and dad couldn't let us know about him because he was on the lam. But yeah, he changed, you know, uh, from that violent person. Uh, And I don't know if it was because of Kilby or because he was always dodging the authorities the rest of his life. But yeah, he, he really mellowed. And my dad did too. Now my dad was a wonderful grandfather. Once they get to a certain age, apparently, it's just, I just don't know how they even have the energy to be that mean and angry and violent all the time. I don't even see how somebody can do that. But my dad mellowed too. But yeah, the Kilby, uh, I think, really changed my grandfather. You state toward the end of the book that you believe it's actually adversity that defines us. Just surviving and getting out of an abusive environment is the ultimate triumph. Is this the way you and the rest of the family felt? I don't know really how the rest of my family feel about that. It's just that surviving and getting out is the ultimate triumph. You know, the real enemy to poor people on the mountain, and probably the same with poor people in the inner cities, it's the system, it's the authorities, it's the sheriff and deputies, it's the revenuers coming after their steals, it's the G-men, you know, the system is the one in people's minds that have always held 
the poor people down. So yeah, family has always been, you know, blood has always been that one constant in people's lives when you grow up with nothing. I didn't know any of the stories until when I was 13, all I knew was Uncle Roy, the kindest, gentlest man I had ever known in the world was on his deathbed. He was dying. And that's when mom pulled me aside and told me, and I'm like, what? He tells me everything about the murder, about the prison escape. And then it was at that moment, I'm like, oh my gosh, everything, the men in the black suits, now everything just kind of fell into place. So I, I think I did a really good job of, you know, because it was a, it blew my mind. So I tried to set it up so people could see what a great person this was. And he was, but it was still the same violent murderer from his younger days. Well, Neil, it is a fascinating family story, and I want to thank you for sharing it today in the book with the devil's help. And this is part of our Troy Public Radio book series, and I want to thank you for joining us for the storyline. Well, thank you for having me. Of course, the big question is, was Neil's grandfather ever caught? So that's in the book, and the answer is there, and it's a real surprise. Joining us by Skype was Neil Wooten, author of the book With the Devil's Help, A True Story of Poverty, Mental Illness, and Murder. Thanks for joining us for the Storyline book series on In Focus. It's a podcast on NPR One and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carolyn Hutchison, and this is listener-supported Troy Public Radio.